Today on this edition of the Four City Church Podcast, teaching Pastor Steve Carter's message from the Redefining Ordinary series is Three Stories, Three Prayers. So we are in a brand new series called Redefining Ordinary. And this series is going to be about the Holy Spirit because if we're actually going to be able to kind of be the people, to be the church, um, to be the kind of community that points people to true north, that points people to the way of Jesus, uh, we need the third person of the Trinity. And, and I, if, you, if you're like me, you kind of grew up in a tradition that the Trinity was Father, Son, and Holy Bible, not the Holy Spirit. And maybe for some of us, you, you kind of learned about the Holy Spirit, and maybe you saw what seemed a little crazy, Or maybe you didn't see anything in regards to the Holy Spirit. And really, I believe that in many ways, one of the things that has hurt the church the most is that we have not known how to access the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you actually begin to recognize that throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit was alive, was well, was working. And so what we want to do is we really just want to normalize the Spirit. Normalize it in a way that just kind of redefines the ordinary. And if you've, if we've never met, um, what I what I love to do is I, I love to teach this book. Um, I, I really believe that when you open up this book, it, it's yes, it's inspired word of God. But what so moves me today is that it's still inspiring us today. And we 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 need this. We need this book. We need the wisdom of the Father's love. We need the way and the justice and the truth and the grace that we see in Christ. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need that kind of encouragement, that advocate, that reminder. And one of the ways that I've kind of grown to kind of understand this book is through spiritual exercises, practices, disciplines. And part of the way is I need them because when we gather, I feel like we get to learn kind of the play of the week. And then we go out into the real world and we have to deal with difficult situations, difficult people, temptation, struggle, suffering. And oftentimes we don't necessarily know what to do. And in the third century, a whole group of people basically were trying to take this book and say, how, how do we literally be the kind of people who pray without ceasing? How do we be the kind of people who walk so closely with the way of Jesus? How do we be the kind of people that even in the midst of adversity, we see an opportunity for God's goodness? How in the midst of suffering do we see an opportunity to reflect the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection? Or even in the midst of success and security, have a chance to point and bring glory to heaven and to God and to Christ alone. And so they started this thing called a breath prayer. And the breath prayer was simply started in Mark 10, 47. You know, um, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. It was like these one-sentence prayers. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then some people just shortened it because that's kind of what we do. And it was just like, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, mercy. And people would breathe in, Jesus, exhale, mercy. And in a moment of suffering or in a moment of temptation, Lord Jesus, have mercy. And what's amazing is for me, when you begin to understand that the word spirit actually comes from the word breath and wind. 
And part of us actually redefining the ordinary is recognizing that the Spirit of God is with us and within us. And so what I want to do is I want to teach you three stories. Some of them will be familiar, but what I also want to do is I want to give you three prayers. Three prayers that in the midst of success, in the midst of the desert, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of temptation, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of right here, right now, you will have a reminder of this book and how you can redefine this moment to be a moment where the extraordinary work of the Spirit can happen in you and with you and through you and for you. Make sense? All right, so if you have a Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter one. We'll start there right from the beginning and we're gonna march our way through. Uh, We'll get to Revelation 21 by probably 2.30 p.m., so it's all right. All right, if you have a small black Bible, it's page one. So um, it starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. Now, if you, if you got this story, you have to understand that for the Hebrew mind, the Bible begins with the second letter of the alphabet, which has confused rabbis for many, many centuries. But there was this moment here in the story is that the earth... And literally in Hebrew, it's this phrase, tohu vabohu. Let me hear you say, tohu vabohu. Awesome. And this literally means formless and empty. But really, when you break it down in Hebrew, it means crazy, chaotic, unknown. It it, it literally means without purpose, void of meaning, literally what is going on. And so, so many of us probably in the last two years have felt a little bit of chaos, a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of like what's going on, a little bit of like wondering, gosh, is there anything that can possibly good come from this? And what's so powerful in the story, in the Genesis story, in the creation story, is that the Spirit of God is just hovering over the chaos. And, and I just want you to know, the Spirit of God has just been hovering over the northwest suburbs. The Spirit of God has been hovering over your home. The Spirit of God has been hovering over D.C. The Spirit of God has been hovering over your business. The Spirit of God has been hovering over your trauma. The Spirit of God has just been hovering. And in the moment, in the moment when there feels like it's formless, it's crazy, there's no meaning, there's no purpose, God speaks this first breath prayer. Let there be light. And I'm telling you what, friends, he speaks light into the chaos. He speaks order into the chaos. And this is why for centuries, the power of the spoken word, the power of story, the power of inspiration, the power of what is possible when you can look into the chaos and you can proclaim Let there be light. And when we are walking through Elgin, when we are walking into meetings that are difficult, when we are in the kitchen and we are struggling with our spouse, when we are at disagreements or odds with our parents or in-laws, 
our kids, friends. And it feels like the chaos is just getting louder and it's stirring. And this moment with our families just feels so formless, so empty, void of meaning, void of purpose. Often we forget the Spirit of God's hovering. And it's those who have the eyes to see and simply say, Lord, let there be light. Let me see the light. Let there be light. Let there be order in this moment. Let my actions, my words, my posture, my heart, my mind, let my soul, my body, my one and only life help bring order to the chaos. Let my light point to the light of Christ. But oftentimes, if you're like me, you're just going. You're hustling. You're moving. And you see the chaos, and the chaos is loud. And it's arrogant. And it's frustrating. And it's annoying. And it's cynical. And it's sarcastic. And it's louder. And it's louder. And it's louder. And I don't have the eyes often to see that the Spirit of God is right there. And I don't have the eyes often or the courage or the mouthpiece to simply say, Lord... Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Second prayer comes from Exodus chapter 31. And this is the first time someone is given the spirit of God. You have to understand, this is, this is a big deal. And I, I'm hoping that this would speak to some of you. Verse 1 says, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel. If you don't know how to read an Old Testament name, just read it quickly and with authority, move on. <laughs> See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. Have you just ever like wondered how awesome that would be if like we had that? Like you walked into a meeting, like Bria was like doing announcements. This is like Leonard. What's your dad's name, Leonard? Humphrey. Humphrey? Yes, oh, he is so good right there. Uh, What's Humphrey's, what's your granddad's name? Okay, all right, Leonard, son of Humphrey from the tribe of Leonard. You know what I mean? From the people of Kansas, you know, like, you know what I mean? Go Chiefs, all right. <laughs> Divided house. All right, this is this, hear this. And I have filled him with the spirit of God. This is the first time anyone has been given the Holy Spirit. Exodus 31, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Oholiab, son of Ahizamak, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant law, with the atonement cover on it and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. Now, 
Before I dive into this more, Nikki Gumbel, who um, is an amazing pastor at Holy Trinity Brompton out in England, he has this quote where he talks about the Holy Spirit and how it was given to people back in the Old Testament. It says this, and it'll be up on the screen. And it says, talking about how we, the Holy Spirit in the Hebrew scriptures, so the Old Testament, was limited to particular people at particular times for particular tasks. So the first person was Bezalel. And then it went to prophets. And then it went to a king. But it was for only particular people at a particular time for a particular task. And what I love about this is the first person to receive the Holy Spirit was someone who was going to build the tabernacle. And you all are here. You all are here and we are just practicing. We haven't really gone full on public we're actually just trying this stuff out, but you all, you all are here. I got here at 5 a.m. 5 a.m., uh, there were people already serving. I wasn't here at 5 a.m. There were people here serving at 5 a.m. I came in about 6.45, and people were here serving. I just, just I, I started to think about the ways that this space, in many ways, has just been set up. And you sit here and you go, when God was setting up the tabernacle, he saw the tabernacle as a way to teach people about his presence. And I think it's so amazing is when you study the life of Bezalel, you know what his father? His father was an artist. And people believe that his father was someone who helped make the golden calf. And, and what's amazing, and many, many would talk about this, scholars will talk about this, is here you have a son who's seen his father use his gifts and his talents for evil. And now he has this chance to now create and use his gift for something profound. What's amazing is we all have had experience where we've seen people, maybe in our family, maybe in our, our, our workplace, maybe in our lives, where people had this amazing gift from God, but they used it for their own glory. They used it in a way that actually didn't provide opportunities for people to encounter the presence of God. And what's so amazing is when you have this moment and you actually believe in the spirit of God, there is something profound when you put yourself out there and say, I wanna actually use my gifts. Because Bezalel had a choice. He could've been like, nah, I don't wanna do that. He'd been given all this gift. You know what? I'm just going to make this Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to make it for myself. I'm going to make a tabernacle for myself. I'm going to make utensils, which I don't understand what those utensils were for. I'm going to make Aaron's clothes and, and, and the priest's clothes. I'm going to make them all for myself. And this is often what happens is people have been given profound gifts, but it's not pointing to the giver. It's pointing to themselves. And I think right from the jump, we have to go after that and say, you have been given a gift. You have been given a gift. And it's not, it's not my responsibility to beg you and plead with you. It is your responsibility, even though, even though you've probably seen moments like Bezalel's father, you've seen moments where, like, where someone has made it about them, you now have to choose what will you do with your gifts. And what's amazing there's this amazing leadership formula. E plus R equals O. Events plus response equals outcomes. We don't control the events. Events happen. 
Circumstances happen. Life happens. Darkness happens. The only thing that you have power and control over is how you choose to respond. It's how you choose to respond. And what's so incredible is I'm watching a whole bunch of people almost step away from their responsibility to the gifts that God has given to them. And what's so amazing is when you actually respond well, that's what dictates the outcome. When you open yourself up and you go, I know there's chaos, but I believe that light can come and I believe that you've gifted me for this moment and let's actually create something more beautiful. Bezalel didn't have to do that. But he saw his father, I don't want to go that way. I want to do something so much, so much better. Do you know Hitler was an amazing artist? This is the last time you heard Hitler in a sermon. But he was an amazing artist. Like incredible. Got his inheritance, left Germany, went to Vienna to study art. He studies there and he's just insanely gifted, insanely talented, and then he returns to Germany. But Stephen Pressfield, who wrote The War of Art, not The Art of War, but it's a creative book called The War of Art, he writes that it was easier for Hitler to start world wars than to face a blank canvas. He couldn't face a blank canvas. He was afraid to put himself out there. He's afraid to actually put up, pick up a brush and start to paint and create. Can you imagine what our world would have been like if he decided not to be a murderer, but to actually be an artist? And the crazy piece about it is when we are not responsible with the gifts that God has given to us, we will deconstruct ourselves and those around us. But when you actually begin to lean into the gifts, into the uncertainty, to the unknown, to actually going, I have no idea what tomorrow will bring. I have no idea where this whole thing in Elgin's going. But what wants to happen? And just chasing that dependency, just having a moment. And so the second breath prayer for me is all about us being responsible. And here's the breath prayer, is simply this. Grant me holy respond ability. Because when you are responsible and you are showcasing responsibility to the moment, you have this ability to respond well. For many of us, we have so much muscle memory so that when something happens, we just react. And whenever we react, we're just reenacting the past. But when we have this ability to respond well, we're owning the moment. We're using the gifts that God's given to us. We're stepping into uncertainty. We're stepping into chaos and we're bringing light and order for Christ's glory. Does this make sense? First breath prayer, when you're seeing chaos, don't forget the spirit of God's hovering. And simply just say, let there be light. And at any moment you begin to doubt, doubt, doubt that you actually were made for a purpose, that you were given profound gifts from the Spirit of God, may you remember to simply pray, Lord, grant me holy respondability. May I respond to the invitation. May I say yes in this moment. May I step out in faith and watch what somehow I don't think I should be able to do in my own strength, but with you, all things are possible. 
and leaning into this, leaning into that, you will begin to join with God in creating something so beautiful. Third, third breath prayer takes you to the New Testament. And what's so profound about the New Testament is the movement of the Holy Spirit. Jesus simply says, hey, it's actually good for me to go. It's good for me to go. Because when I go, there's someone who's far better than me that's coming. And he was referencing the Holy Spirit. And it's so important for us to understand this is Jesus understood I can only be in one place at one time but the Holy Spirit is going to keep illuminating my father and my teachings the Holy Spirit was important and this whole idea there was this messianic expectation that one day the Messiah would come and one of the realities that the Messiah would bring would be the giving of the Holy Spirit for all it wouldn't just be for particular people at particular times for particular tasks it would be for everyone, always. And so in Acts chapter two, a verse that's familiar to many of us, there's an old, old passage of scripture that was recorded. When Peter gets up to speak, he's quoting the book of Joel. And he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And see, here's the whole dream. Is that the gift of the Spirit was to give you gifts so that you would be used in such a way that everyone will get a sense of what Christ was up to. What Christ was doing. And for me, Whenever I think about the Holy Spirit, I think about the Spirit of God being about a new thing. A new thing. And in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, Joel was like, there's going to be a day where, where young men dream new visions. Old men dream dreams. They're like seeing what can actually be shaped and formed, how something can be brought back to rights. And I think about this community coming together. It's just a dream. It was just a prayer. It was the kernel of a vision. And people just began to kind of step out. And if I think about the first breath prayer, just simply being, Lord, let there be light. The second one, Lord, grant us, grant me holy responsibility. Let me respond well in this moment. The third one is, Lord, let me see the redemptive potential. Let me see the redemptive potential. Let me see the redemptive potential in this person who's far from God. Let me see the redemptive potential in our city. Let me see the redemptive potential in my family. Let me see the redemptive potential. Let me see it. And again, we're living in times where I see what divides us, but I don't see what the Spirit wants to see. When's the last time you saw someone who was far from God and you actually saw a vision for what their life would be like if Christ were at the center? That's the redemptive vision. That's the redemptive potential. That's when you start to see and you redefine the ordinary and you see as God sees in this very moment. 
you know, we've told you this story, how, how kind of this whole thing kind of began with a conversation and, and some prayers and a meeting. But this thing happened out of a death, an unlikely death of a son who shouldn't have died. And I came to Elgin, and one of the first times I spoke in Elgin was at a funeral right down the road. I was thinking about this story as I was walking last night around this building at 12 a.m., 1 a.m., and I was just praying those words of Joel. The wonders of heaven above and the signs on earth below. Wonders of heaven above and signs on earth below. And I was reminded of this moment. This young man died and he shouldn't have died. He was murdered. And in this moment, I saw the chaos in Elgin. It was different than what I had been raised in. I also felt in this moment just having to kind of try and pastor a family, pastor a moment, pastor a group of people that I just said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. But again, grant me that holy responsibility in this moment. And I didn't know that that kind of conversation And what was happening that God would be breaking my heart for this city, this place. And all of a sudden I began to see the redemptive potential. My friends, I'm telling you, in the midst of chaos, if you can simply have the courage to say, let there be light. In the minutes of a moment, instead of getting defensive and reacting, say, grant me, Lord, holy responsibility to my wife, to my son, to my daughter, to my husband, to my family, to my boss, to my coworker, to someone who's far from God. And let me, give me eyes to see the redemptive potential. I promise you, we will get to be a part of something that we have never been a part of before. You will have moments where it will not be about a preacher. It will not be about a pastor. It will not be about a worship leader. It will not be about anything but God, but Christ, but the Spirit at work. And when we have a a whole community leaning in, leaning in and just simply saying, Holy Spirit, You're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. So God, I just pray right now. I pray right now. And in times that feel divided, where it just feels void of meaning and purpose at days, tohu vavohu, may we never stop saying, let there be light. And when you start putting us in moments where we can be definitely impatient or adversity or suffering or struggle or success, may we say grant us holy responsibility, Spirit. And in moments where we are just out in the community, give us eyes to see as you see and let us see the redemptive potential. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here so that everyone may discover and come to know and be saved by the power of your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to Steve Carter with the message, Three Stories, Three Prayers, from the Redefining Ordinary series at Forest City Church. Thanks for listening.